Hello, and welcome to the R2DP Road to Discovery podcast, ending the stigma of weight loss surgery with Steph, aka Bariatric Warrior, Bex, aka Becoming Bex, Nicole, aka Spooky BSG Barbie, and Cass, aka Queen Sparkle We are here to talk about everything weight loss surgery related, the good, the bad, and the ugly to end the stigma. So come join us on this road to discovery. I don't know if it was better that I, oh, sorry. You can talk. Ad-lib is fun. (laughs) I don't know if it was better that I found out about this two hours before or if it would have been better if I had scripted it out a little bit or given No, I think you did great. Yeah, (laughs) it's being all natural and. I I also told her I was like sorry to bombard you with this, but will you come be my buddy? <laughs> like, uh, um. So obviously, I'm gonna talk mine into a short version because obviously Allie is almost four months post op, and I just had my one year sleep anniversary. Right. <laughs> As many of you know. That's something people usually celebrate, but no, not for me. I don't want to celebrate it. I will celebrate at the end of this all, and it'll be one hell of a celebration. And all of you are invited. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So obviously, from the beginning, I have shared my story with full transparency. It has been a complete dumpster fire Again, I do not regret having surgery. Um, I had VSG surgery October 5th of 2021 uh, after having severe gastroparesis, which is when you the fundus of your stomach is paralyzed, and so is your vagus nerve, which controls peristalsis of your whole GI tract. So when it usually takes one person to digest a meal in three to four hours, it took me eight to 12 hours to digest a meal, which put me in like severe bloating, pain, nausea, vomiting, etc. I was on daily steroids multiple times a day, daily antibiotics where my body became resistant and I would just feel very sick all of the time. And of course, with steroids, what happens? You gain a shit ton of weight. <laughs> um, so they brought up the fact of, hey, you could have gastric sleeve. It would actually wake up your vagus nerve and cure your gastroparesis. Why not? Of course, my BMI was 39.8. You needed a BMI of 40 or higher for them to approve surgery. You also needed, if your BMI was lower, to have a severe comorbidity like high blood pressure, severe sleep apnea, or diabetes. Nothing that I qualified for. And we've talked about this before. So I paid for my sleeve out of pocket. Over uh, 0.5? or Yes. And um, yeah, you could say, hey... Why didn't you go eat 10 cheeseburgers and try and put 12 pounds on? Well, I don't come from an eating eating disorder background and I didn't care to start one. It wasn't beneficial to me to do that. Um, 
and you know I had I had the ability to do it then and so I did it um I obviously my surgery was very much like Allie's it was same day in a surgery center went in had the procedure um I wasn't necessarily vomiting again um I definitely was nauseous um as soon as I like came to they were next to me telling me that they had to give me insulin because my blood sugar was 300 and something now I'm not diabetic I was like I'm not diabetic because you know drugged up um they're like no it's actually a reaction to corticosteroids that they inject into your abdomen um and I'm like okay and I was like immediately like had to pee I turned pale white and they're like they're gonna sit you back down so I was also in a recliner um I had to drink 72 ounces pee and have my pain and nausea under control before I could go home I did all of the oh and do laps with your IV pull of antibiotics and stuff. I think I had six bags full of IV fluids too. And I went home in six and a half hours. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so yeah, I went home. I I literally was okay. Like I wasn't nauseous and I wasn't necessarily like in pain. I was really sore. It's like I did like 800 ab crunches. My body was so sore. Like I could not get out of bed by myself like or anything. The nausea really was only in like came on when like I would overexert myself. Like try to take a shower or try to like shave my legs or something like that. I get dizzy and feel like I was going to pass out. So I was good and I obviously I went through clear liquids for three days then full liquids up to day 15 then I did not have to do purees I went to soft foods day 16 to 30 and then I could start integrating regular foods at that week five I was a dumbass, and I will say that I probably did this one to myself. Um, among, you know, that was also the time I had a barium swallow, so barium packs your bowel and makes you constipated. Now, do not eat a protein bar at five weeks post-op, because it will just get stuck on top of that barium. Now... Oh they also did a CT scan with both IV contrast as well as oral contrast that same week. So now I'm sitting on barium, contrast, contrast, and the fact that I tried to eat a protein bar. So my bowel was impacted. I ended up in the ER in excruciating pain um, because I couldn't take a shit for seven days. And um, I was taking Miralax, um, Colace, Milk of Magnesia, everything and anything you could think of and nothing. I wasn't even passing gas. And so my oh. stomach was distended and they basically were like, we're going to have to 
go in there and take it out manually. <laughs> Something you don't ever funny. want to hear or experience. It's funny, but it's also funny. So I was on a mission to not have that happen. I'm not reaching up my butt. <laughs> I was like, give so something also I learned is that, you know, there's mag citrate and then there's also the other one. One of those I can't remember you cannot have as a sleeve patient because it will fuck your suture lineup. Oh. Yes. And my ER doctor called my surgeon and that's how he found out about that. So he was going to give me that, but instead he's like, I'm going to give you really strong milk with mag. It's going to taste like licorice and be disgusting. But if you don't go within 15 minutes, I'm going to have to go in there. Oh, shit. So yeah. I have the IV fluids hooked up and I'm drinking this crap and it's so gross. I'm like, Ugh. and I was like, okay, well, bring a commode in here because I'm not going to go run to the damn bathroom. And, and I, yep, 10 minutes later, it was like I shit out a baby. <laughs> Thank God, though. Oh, my God. So, what yeah, that, that was the first thing I did milk of mag i absolutely shit myself on the way to the bathroom <laughs> hey you can never trust a fart after this surgery yeah. so just no, don't especially take milk of mag. <laughs> beware the milk of mag if you take it you just camp yourself on that toilet yeah. it's, the, it's the same thing that worked for me when i got constipated yeah it's the mm-hmm. only thing that works when it's that bad okay i was on the mural axe like daily and yeah. nothing worked until i took that milk of mag mm-hmm. same and milk of mag is so gross. It, you know what it tastes like to me? It tastes like the smell of an adult brief that is clean. But like I literally was like if you somehow made a liquid out of this. <laughs> I feel like it tastes like the smell of sardine fish. <laughs> I don't know. It's real gross. <laughs> Nicole's eating. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so yeah. After that, like, I was okay. I was eating. I was, you know, almost meeting, like, my goals for protein and fluids. And then I went on a trip to see my family, which I go do once a year. And when I came back, I was, like, eight, nine-ish weeks post-op. And then all of a sudden, it, like, hit me with, like, out of nowhere, the nausea, the reflux. I actually would wake up in the middle of the night aspirating on my stomach acid. Um, I started not being able to hold fluids down or food. It got to the point where I couldn't even drink two ounces a day. Um, And this was all during COVID, supply chain shortages, the shutdown of everything, and... The hospitals were full. There were no beds. And essentially, like, I starved for 10 weeks. I didn't have food. I didn't have water. I literally had nothing. I would try, and it was so painful, and it would just come out. And so I found myself in 
the ER by ambulance multiple times because what else am I going to do? I'm not going to just shrivel away. And basically, I spent lots of nights in the ER in a bed in a hallway hooked to an IV, getting scans, drinking contrast, and throwing it up right away. Um, and even though I'm a nurse and I know some things that obviously, Allie, you had a harder time because you're coming from not a healthcare background, I had to advocate very, very hard for myself. And my surgeon wanted me to have a pick line. My surgeon wanted me on TPN, but because of COVID and supply chain shortages, uh, home care would not come to my house because they had to save their uh, product and TPN and supplies for their clients they currently had. Um, and because I was a new patient, they would not take me. They would not come to my house. The only way I could get TPN was if they would admit me to the hospital. And I couldn't get admitted because they had no beds and they had no beds in the ER either. Um, so obviously I have never seen anyone go through this on Instagram. I felt very alone and I had a group of friends I thought were my friends. This is where community can go one way or another. Um, and when I was at my lowest and I have a real hard time asking for help and I asked for help, uh, I was shamed for it. And at my lowest there, I deleted my Instagram. I didn't care anymore. I was like, I don't have anyone anyways. Um, so I deleted my Instagram. I felt very alone. I was starving. I thought I was going to die. And sorry, this gets very emotional for me because yeah, um, I remember the night I went into the hospital in the ER and I got four bags of IV fluids and I had to go to work the next day and I had a doctor's note. I was on FMLA intermittently at that point, not fully off, and I got fired from my job because I was in the hospital, which meant I was going to lose my insurance. <laughs> Meanwhile, facing all of these things, and because I was obviously shamed, for asking for help. I wasn't going to ask for help again. You know, that's not something I really wanted to go into again. I didn't want to be called names. You know, I never lied about my complications. Again, at full transparency, always shared everything. And, you know, it sucks. And obviously things are different now because I have all these amazing people in my life. <laughs> 
Yeah. And um, so on New Year's, I got my pick line. It was 11 grand out of pocket. Holy. <laughs> um, now, I got my pick line and I had no aftercare. Like Allie said, what do you do when you have no aftercare? You end up in the ER every fucking day. That was me. So piling on some more, you know, expenses. Um, it wasn't till I later on went to my surgeon's office and said, what the fuck are we going to do? Because I can't try and I couldn't even get get heparin or saline. I tried to order it online and I couldn't even get it anywhere. So it's like, what is the point of me having this if I can't even flush it and I'm just piling on, you know, debt and waiting hours just to get care? And so he's like, okay, well, let me try and put an NG tube in you in the office. That was a fucking nightmare. That is probably the one thing that gives me the most medical PTSD. First of all, you do not put a feeding tube in someone with a sleeve gastrectomy blindly. Yes, you have a fluoroscopy machine, which you can check it afterwards, but... It's still not safe. You're not in an environment where that should be done. Um, So unfortunately, he tried to do that in both my nostrils. And the second time, it went into my lungs. I was coughing up blood. I was vomiting up blood. My nose was bleeding. And I'm here like crying while they're doing this. And basically, that ended up with a 911 call going to the hospital. Oh, and the ER doctor finally, finally took a look at me, called my surgeon and was like, I'm going to admit you. Hallelujah. It finally fucking happened because that's what we needed to get TPN. And so I spent eight days admitted in the hospital. Luckily, for some reason, they had a bed within an hour for me. Don't know how. Um... I got immediately started on TPN. Um, The next day, they put me under anesthesia, did a scope, and put a Dobhoff in under anesthesia. Also, prior to this, because I totally blanked, I did have a scope endoscopy three times with dilations. Basically, essentially, I had a severe stricture, which is a narrowing of your uh, sleeve. My sleeve slid up in through my diaphragm, was in my chest, and created a sliding hiatal hernia because it would just go up and down in my chest, which caused horrible reflux. Um, This can happen because as you lose weight, you lose the fat that's around your esophagus. And when you lose the fat around your esophagus, it basically allows your diaphragm to be loot, like open up. And so your shit can move up and down, unfortunately. It doesn't happen with everyone, but that's what happened with me. And because I lost 72 pounds in two and a half months, there you go. Um, 
So, obviously, I'm rambling. There's too much shit to my story. I'm just like... You have such a big story. Like, like this is even, like, hitting the nail. Yeah, I, that's why I'm, like, just trying to give, like, brief shit that I remember. And so, obviously, had a feeding tube, was getting um, tube feed and TPN, which is a shit ton of calories, fat, and sugar for someone with a tiny-ass stomach. So, of course, shitting my brains out all fucking day. Also, severely drugged. Um, I think I was getting uh, Phenergan, Dilaudid, Ativan, Diazepam, so much shit um, that, like, I was not coherent at all. Um, And I developed a severe rash from the adhesive, which I know Allie also started getting. Um, And, like, it was literally ripping my skin apart. Um, And so I had to get constant pick line dressing changes. And if you've never experienced that, it's like ripping off your skin in a cold burning sensation and then they clean it and then they move your pick line even though they're not supposed to and slap another band-aid on it then they try to convince you that the amount that it came out was was okay but it's yeah um but if you want you can go to the er and they'll they'll do an x-ray they'll measure it yeah they'll make sure it's in the right place so i've had i had to have multiple x-rays because of that too and uh so yeah that's not fun at all so after eight days of that uh I basically said fuck this to the feeding tube because my throat was so swollen um and my nose was bleeding constantly and I was like I want this out I already getting enough nutrition through my vein to my heart I want this damn thing out and so after eight days, got the fucking feeding tube out. Never again. That is the worst tragedy, traumatic experience of my life. Um, and then I finally went home. I finally got at home TPN care. And the same night, I overdosed on TPN. <laughs> Accidental oh overdose on TPN. My blood sugar skyrocketed because the settings of the TPN were backwards. So I got a shit ton of TPN in a little bit amount of time. And I, I remember like waking up very incoherent. I tested my, I don't know how I did this, but I tested my blood sugar. It was like 400 and something. And I literally, like, hit the emergency thing on my iPhone. And they literally had to, like, bang my door down, like, (laughs) to come and get me. And I don't remember anything for the next 8 to 12 hours. So I literally get out of the hospital and back in the hospital. Um, So again... I finally come home. I'm still hooked up to TPN. And the nurse basically is like, I'm going to sit with you. And we're going to go over all of this. And we're going to make sure the settings are right. And whatnot. So I was on TPN for 
Mm, I think four weeks. I don't remember. I just know I kept wanting to get off of it. Um, TPN also, if you don't know, is really bad for your kidneys. Um, and so you have to get routine uh, lab work. Like every three days, you get your pick line changed multiple times. Oh, taking a shower? Don't even like, <laughs> no. It's, you can't get it wet. Saran wrap doesn't do shit. Like, yeah. So just, just don't. Um, and then I remember the day I got off of TPN and it's because I literally sat there and I forced myself to drink Kate Farm shakes, which was put in my feeding tube. Now, meanwhile, the first thing they put in my feeding tube, um, I was, ended up being allergic to because it had apples in it. <laughs> So I got really itchy in hives and had to get Benadryl. So then they switched me to Kate Farms because it's like fully plant-based and vegan. The only thing with Kate Farms is it has a lot of sugar in it. So it can make you dump very easily. And um, so basically my saving grace of how I started eating or drinking again was espresso uh, protein almond milk by silk and a Kate Farm shake and uh, I don't think it was till eight months post-op that I finally hit 64 ounces um, so I went through not eating to learning to eat to not eating to learning to eat again um, then I was, would say that the symptoms didn't really get better. I was obviously eating and drinking, but I was still waking up aspirating in the middle of the night. I still had nausea and I still was vomiting like all of the time. And it was hit or miss on what I could eat. Eggs are still a no. I don't do eggs. I've tried. It doesn't work. Um, I still don't do eggs either after a year. Yeah. Post op, it's not a vibe. Yeah, it's just not. Um, so I'm trying to remember. So the, we're like, well, we need to figure out this reflux because none of the meds were working. I was on so many meds, and so essentially, he's like, let's do manometry testing. Oh, what's that? Oh, we put something down your nose and throat like a feeding tube. Oh my god. <laughs> And uh, it's really big, and we test it, and then we take it out. And then we put something the size of a Dobhoff in you, and you have to keep it for 24 to 48 hours. What's a Dobhoff? It's a really skinny, like, feeding tube. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just smaller. Um, And then you have to, like, track everything, and when you're laying down and you're sitting, or if you try to eat something, or you try to drink, and your symptoms, it's kind of like a cardiac monitor, but it's like a feeding tube in your gut. Um, and so I did that, and it came back that you have severe acid reflux, like red high levels. What are we going to do about it? Well, they have this new procedure that's new to bariatric patients called a ligament terrace cardiopexy. 
Also, you have a sliding hiatal hernia with this stricture because your stomach is going in and out of your diaphragm. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to do a ligamentaris cardiopexy. I'm going to take a ligament that you are born with from your belly button to your liver. I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to pull your sleeve down. I'm going to wrap it around the hernia and where your diaphragm is open. And then I'm going to dilate your sleeve and I'm going to sew it into your abdomen with four inches of your esophagus now below your diaphragm. Oh, okay. (laughs) By the way, I've only done this on 25 patients myself, but other people have done it. And, um... Your risk score if you went straight to gastric bypass is 5% every year after I would do that to you, which means you'd be back in the hospital with more surgery in 15 years. Mm. So, okay, why not? Insurance is going to cover this one. Let's try it. But again, since you've had so many complications, I do need you to know that, you know, it could fail. Well, I got relief from that. Uh, That I had April 18th of 2022. I got relief from that um, for four months. I tried to wean off of my Dexalent. I got off all of my meds but my Zofran and my Dexalent. And then I went and got a barium swallow. And that barium swallow showed the barium go up. and down and up and down and my sleeve decided because I had lost some more weight that it was going to start trying to get back up through my diaphragm because the ligamentaris had loosened and fast forward we are back to not eating really I've had nine meals in the last two months that I've kept down it either comes out this way or I dump it within two minutes um and it's not even sugar things it literally can be anything um fluids I've drank 20 ounces today so I will say that it's as bad as it was when I was obviously starving but I don't want it to get to that point And so, essentially, he's like, your only option left is a revision to RNY bypass. Um, And then, of course, that's devastating to hear as it is. And then the fact that we did this procedure on the other person that this failed on. And their insurance denied it. It's the same insurance you have. Oh, my God. And... Here's the bariatric insurance lawyer information. It, and then I found out it would take eight months to a year for them to get a denial reversal. I'm sorry, I can't live like that. I refuse to, I refuse to go backwards anymore than I already am. And because the struggle was so bad before... No, I have horrible medical PTSD from this. I have horrible anxiety from this. And I don't, I don't even want to. And so literally I feel like my only option right now is to pay for this out of pocket. 
that's what he told me. He's like, if you want the surgery and to avoid the fact of going back on TPN and avoid a feeding tube is you're going to have to pay out of pocket for the surgery. Yes, we can still fight it possibly, but you won't be here in a year if we don't do this now. And that's really fucking scary shit to hear. And I didn't have this surgery to live a life that has no quality to it. I didn't have this surgery to constantly go through agony. And it's why I share so vulnerable and transparent with everyone. Because it needs to be shown And I always try to live my journey as, you know, yeah, my struggle fucking sucks. My journey fucking sucks. I still don't regret my surgery, but I just want my quality of life back. And I feel like I deserve that. And I've not never given up and I've never stopped fighting. And I don't want to go backwards. I refuse to go backwards because I've been there and it was the most dark alone time of my fucking life. And I can't do it again. And my mental health has been very, very, very in a dark place. And yes, I am safe. Yes, I seek help. And the community that I have now has outpoured their love and their support. And I cannot thank you all from the bottom of my heart. And I want you all to know that, like, I'm not re- I'm not relying on you guys to help me. I was very hesitant to even let that group of people make me go fund me because of what occurred before. Um, and I want you to know that I'm trying to do most of this by myself. I took a $10,000 loan out. I put my car up as collateral. I applied for care credit and got $2,000 that way. I'm literally selling things that are my belongings. I'm going to work because I fucking have to despite feeling like shit. And if I have to get off work and go get an infusion, that's what I do because I feel like that's my only choice. So yes, this journey has been very hard for me and I've stayed very positive through it, but my mindset very much has shifted since June when I got COVID. I found out I was multiple deficient in lots of vitamins. Folate deficiency is number one cause of severe depression and I think that's when the medical PTSD hit me because it's also when I found out that my revision had failed. And again, like, I don't want to give up because I deserve to live just like everyone else. (laughs) So I am efforting. I'm trying to do this by myself. But it feels impossible. 
and I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And my surgeon is so sure that this is going to be the end. And so I do have a prospective surgery date of December 7th. If I can come up with the funds to pay for the surgery by November 24th. So... I just want you all to know that I'm trying my best, that I'm trying to do this on my own. But the fact that, you know, you all have been there and have been so supportive and outpouring even just your words or even just sharing the GoFundMe or just coming together and doing that or sending me Gatorade Zero, like, I can't thank you enough and to just see how different this year having that support system when I didn't have it a year ago is amazing and I'm I'm sorry I'm a fucking mess (laughs) but you're allowed yeah. Loud. These feelings are very real. They're valid. They're meant to be felt. You're allowed to feel them. And the fact that you're sharing them, I know, I know for a fact, there's more than a handful of people out there that are listening that are going through the same thing. And you're like a part of their survival story, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. There's many of times I could give up. There's many of times where I said, why me? There's many of times where I said, unfortunately, trigger warning. I wish I was dead. I I would never act on it. I don't ever have a plan to. I've never had a suicidal ideation. But honestly, I felt so low and alone and like... How can, I don't even know how my fucking body's still going. Like, the fucking body's amazing. Like, but I have had those thoughts. (laughs) Like, and I'm not going to sit here and be positive all the time like I was. Like, I try to, but I'm fucking not positive right now. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I feel like I just, like, blabbered, like, all around. Like, I don't know. I feel like most of my journey is, like, a fucking blur because half the time I was, like, non-coherent because of malnutrition. And there's so much more that I'm probably missing, but that's the gist of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to try and, like, think back and remember all those really awful things, you know, like, that's part of how the human body kind of helps us survive those things is to not remember them fully. Yeah. And like, I'm trying to like imagine like, did I just like put it in the back of my head and like not deal with those feelings? And that's when it, like I got COVID it just all hit me and, or like because my folate was so low that it all just hit me. And I, I've been told that obviously both, both ways, like 
you can attempt to heal through something you're going through. Um, but you won't be able to fully heal. You can learn to like right. cope and have skills to help you with what you're going through. But if you're still going through it, you know, right. it's hard. It's trauma too. Like trauma takes years and years to process and every person is different. This will be my ninth surgical procedure in a year. Through. And that's not including like all the random fucking hospital. I don't even know. I don't want to count how many hospital visits I went to. I had forty barium swallows. That's a lot of barium. A lot of swallows. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still on my. I'm okay, I you know I use dark humor and I have to fucking laugh because if I don't fucking laugh, I'm just gonna cry all the time. You know. I feel like I want to explain the last half of my journey as right when you get out of surgery and you just cry at fucking nothing. Yep. <laughs> Hormone dump. Yeah. You're part of just part of it. So yeah, I just want to say thank you for letting me have a safe space, share my wild ride, being there, supporting me and not judging me. And I, again, cannot thank you all enough, and I'm going to keep telling you that, and you're going to tell me to shut the fuck up, and I'm not going to shut the fuck up, because all of you are amazing, and I'm going to done, I'm done blabbering, um, <laughs> but, you know, if you're struggling, reach out, please, any one of us would love to be there for you. Absolutely. Um, and I think the other thing, too, is, like, even if you're not going through, like, serious complications that are, like, life-threatening, that doesn't mean that it's not scary and that your feelings of regret early on and stuff aren't valid. Like, right. I see a lot of people who are afraid to complain about how they're feeling and they're just being told, you know, like, oh, it's going to pass or you're going to, you know, it's going to be better tomorrow and they feel like they can't complain and, and it's okay, you can do it. You can complain. You're allowed to feel shitty Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And everyone's struggle, big or small, is valid. And I've always said that through my entire journey that, Mm -hmm. yeah, I may be going through shit, but, you know, you're also going to go through shit too, but it's going to be different. It's still a valid struggle. You didn't meet your water today? Oh, well. Did you take your vitamins? That's the work of weight loss surgery. Yes. You know, tomorrow's a new day. The fact that you're trying your best is all that fucking matters and that you're not giving up. That's all we can do. Not give up and try our best. But I'm going to end there. Again, thank you for joining. On the next episode, we're going to talk about the less more flappy sex parts <laughs> and that uh, <laughs> I can't wait <laughs> the less the less com- the less rare complications uh you know Nicole's favorite talking about poop or not pooping yeah. for that matter the sex flaps sex yes. flaps 
rashes, <laughs> you know, skin getting in the way of mobility and reactive hypoglycemia. <laughs> Thank you, Allie, for joining us. Yeah, so much for having me. Also, Allie is a patron of Patreon. Shout out to her. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> All right, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful night. Bye. You Thank you for joining R2DP Road to Discovery podcast, ending the stigma of weight loss surgery. Please join us next time for our next podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that follow button and that bell to receive notifications when we upload our next and leave us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're interested in supporting us, you can become a Patreon and we do have that link in our bios on our Instagram and we will also share that with you. It's just patreon.com slash R2DP. There's some special perks in there that you might see. Um, there's different tier levels and each tier has its certain perks. You will get a exclusive sticker if you sign up for the first tier. You will also get to hear the podcast two days before everyone else and the perks go on from there. So again, thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye, R2D peers! <laughs> <laughs>